0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me as always is a man who guarantees on time and safe delivery by exploiting his workers.
1: <laughs> I am the Adam Glasson. Pat, we watched that movie. We watched that movie as a bonus episode. The uh
0: Did we watch a movie about delivering things?
1: Sorry we missed you. We watched a couple months ago as a bonus episode. It's the uh uh the Ken Loach movie about the guy oh, who gets right, a job as, a, right. as an Amazon delivery It's work, the one driver. that like
0: every time you tell me about it I think it's sorry i sorry for bothering you or whatever the name of the like yeah, my yeah, brain yeah. can't handle there being two movies basically named that. They had uh
1: they had similar names and similar princi- uh, yeah, principles uh regarding it, just, the exploitation of w- workers. It, the problem so. is
0: it's just like it created this like universe where both things exist in my mind at the same time yeah. occupying the same space they're like superimposed on each other. And so every time you bring it up, I'm like that. I, my, bro, my brain just dealt with the contradiction by erasing them both. It's like right. fuck it, they don't exist. You can't yeah. handle this. You're gonna give yourself an aneurysm. Sorry,
1: we, sorry we missed you. Is the Ken Loach family drama right? Uh, sorry, uh, sorry to bother you. Is the Boots Riley sci-fi horror? Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: I mean, when you really think about what happens in that family drama, it's just the amount of yeah. sci-fi. Because modern right, capitalist right. exploitation is just horror, right? It's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just a genre of horror, basically. Right.
1: right. Um Yeah. There's no, there's no allegory, and sorry, we missed you. There's just sadness. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's so. like, yeah, exactly. Like we don't. Well, it just goes to show you. I mean, there's multiple <laughs> modes of expressing the same concept, which is this. This shit sucks, and, um, and you can use allegory. You can use. You cannot, and yeah. you're probably going to get to the same answer, which is right. Uh, Fuck it capitalism. does suck,
1: but why? Why are we talking about it? Why oh, am I a delivery man? Uh, so in this well, we, we, I think
0: you 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 know this already because we've talked about this about twenty five times. Waiting for this movie to come, Kuroneko is the name of a uh, was the nickname of a delivery company in Japan, the biggest one. I see the, the I biggest non national post delivery delivery company. Yeah, uh, like uh, I think it's like proper name is Yamato Delivery, but um, everybody just okay. it's logo is, Kuro, is a is a black cat carrying a baby black cat it is a very cute logo. Aww. like i said nobody calls it by its its proper name yeah like ever <laughs> yeah it's yamato like uh like delivery company but like it's like no one ever just ca- we just call it grown because it's just that's the logo yeah. and the logo is very cute um and endearing it- uh they're they are Katie, not as exploitive Katie. as they could be uh uh, bear yeah. in mind that no good. no Japanese delivery company gets anywhere near, like, the bog standard in the United States. Yeah. Like, they are pretty exploitative because, but I also feel like my impression has been that, like, when there were some exposés done on them and some of the other ones, because there's about three of them, um, mm. they've maybe fixed, a, not maybe that much better, but just enough that now, like, well, nobody's peeing in any bottles here, okay? Like, Well, good, like, good. People are working more overtime than they should be. That's for damn sure. But no one's it seems like we've gotten past peeing in bottles land. Um, so, well, that's I'm well because like I think they they started like so. What used to happen when uh, especially during coronavirus it got really bad was like you would get deliveries at like 10 p.m. You're like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Or not probably not 10, yeah. but like nine. You're like, and you like we know the people who do it. Like we we're we're very familiar with like the various people who come out here. Cause it's just the same guy every time. He's like, man, well, you're like, it's so right. late. And he's like, yeah, I mean like if we don't finish the load, it's, and I think they've, they've dealt with that by hiring more drivers. So like now, no, I don't, you don't get deliveries at 9 PM anymore, which is a good thing. Cause we don't want them at 9 PM. Right. Like you wanted to come in like business hours, like, and maybe like by before six. Um, so, but yes, it it is. They are still very exploitative organizations to say the least. Um, yeah. Those guys are not paid enough for how hard they work to say the least. But yes, it is it is a thing I have been thinking about basically since we sat down to watch like to look at the Criterion collection. Well, probably since I noticed it existed like 10 years ago. <laughs> I've been waiting yeah. to talk about the fact that like the movie is it's also the name of a delivery company.
1: I'm glad you've been looking forward to it. I and fortunately, it is a movie that will uh, allow us to talk about exploitation by the capital class. Yeah, it
0: will. I mean, so, we're going to be dealing with the, the 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 more the more feudalist manifestations of like pre cap like <laughs> yeah. pre-capital primitive accumulation, but yeah, I mean, they they all provide uh windows into the the, the class struggle, so and that's good enough for me. Yeah. As our director this week. Uh, I mean, he's certainly said, using it as a way to provide a window into the into the general class struggle.
1: When you want to talk about modern problems, a really easy way to get away with it is to set it 200 years ago.
0: Yep. So. Throw in some samurai. The sword fights will direct all the people who are easily di- uh, distracted, and uh, you'll <laughs> keep the <your> point across. <laughs>
1: Before we get into our movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film each month. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. We've got got over 75 films over there now. No, we've got exactly 75 films over there now.
0: Really? I (laughs) kind of thought uh, I might have crossed 80 by now. I've lost track. Nope.
1: No, we got to go faster. Our most two
0: bonuses per. Our month.
1: most No, 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 no. Never overpromise. Our most uh most recent episode as of this recording is uh This Quiet Earth, posted in January 2024. The uh 1985 New Zealand post-apocalyptic sci-fi film about uh
0: Mostly about one person alone. On, I mean, really, on, on I was like, what's he going to say about this? Because we did not come yeah. to any conclusions during that episode. If you <laughs> want right. to enjoy listening to me the most tired I've been in a recording probably yeah. in like a year.
1: Uh, one, of the, one of the delightful things we say in that episode is that uh, maybe we should be high for this. Uh, but you essentially were for the conversation. I, maybe not for the watching.
0: I, I, yeah, I I was, oh man, I was barely holding it together. I'm much better today. I'm (laughs) way more like alert today.
1: Glad to hear it. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun episode. It's a very interesting movie. Highly recommend it. Uh, and so go watch it. It's on the criterion channel right now. And then you can, uh, go join our Patreon and listen to the episode. Uh, that dollar gets you access to all the back catalog episodes, gets you the vote. Uh, Get you to be part of uh, the commentary community on our posts over there, uh, which you know I I appreciate. It's a it's a fun way to interact with people too. Um, a little above that, though, five dollars. We like to thank folks who can support us at that level on air. So thank you so much to our current five dollar supporters: Andrew Jarrett, Eric Coronado, Chris Otto, and Stephen Goldmeyer. A bit above that. Our highest tier, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard. Write a little personalized note once a month and mail that off to our $10 and above supporters. Also like to thank them on air, and thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Nina Bojnack, Patrick Yalco, Tracy McGrath, and Jason Westhaver, our $10 and above
0: supporters. Thank you so much. If
1: you want to check out those postcards without committing to that $10 mark or uh, buy past postcards if, uh, if you are a supporter and really loved one, get over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost or there. Our store will come up. And you can see those past postcards and buy them as postcards, greeting cards if you need a little more room for whatever message you're sending to your loved ones, uh, as stickers if you need no room whatsoever. Thank you so much to anyone who has purchased anything off that Redbubble. Thank you so much to everybody who supported us on Patreon over the years. And thank you for listening, Pat. This week our movie is Kore-Neko, Uh or Yabu Nonaka. No, no Koroneko.
0: Well, yeah, it just means uh, in the bam, like the black cat in the bamboo grove. Like it's um, I I do like you're gonna do your intro, but I do want to talk about the title because the title is a really fascinating bit of like world building in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so
1: okay. It's nineteen sixty eight uh Japanese historical horror. Um you know, we've talked about some some films like this before coming out around the same time. Uh stuff like from the same director, Kanedoshendo. Yeah, Onebaba. One um quite On. quite On
0: would be pretty, I don't know, when did quite On come out? I don't remember. Um it should be roughly quite, not that far away, right? Right. Nineteen sixty four still is, in the same the same wheelhouse.
1: Right. Just a couple years before this, yeah.
0: Well, you know what actually, you know, not th- yeah. not to totally derail things right from the beginning. You know what this movie really reminded me of um most of the time was um do you remember what? the film about uh, uh the sinners in hell? Jigoku? Oh yeah, yeah. Jigoku. The, the etherealness yeah. of what happens in here reminded me of that the most actually.
1: Oh like, yeah. yeah like
0: is 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 it got a similar like essence and sort of like creepy without being scary. But Jigoka has the same sort of like, we're all floating in a dream here. Nothing feels tangible and real. Right. I, I don't know. They, I couldn't stop thinking about that movie while we were watching this one.
1: Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt an influence. It's got to be, right? 1960. On Jigoku comes out in 1960. Of what's going on here. So, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: He has to have seen
1: it. Yeah. Uh, Shindo's a great director. We really loved Oni Baba mm-hmm. when we watched it many years ago. Uh, this is only our second film with him. Um, but excited to come back around. For Do we have it. Uh, more
0: from him in the future? Or no, is this it? We
1: have we have one more from him okay. in the future. Uh at I believe Spine eight eleven.
0: That's a long time for now. Uh
1: but it is given given that what we've seen so far is Onibaba and Koranico, both uh both very particular sorts of historical um horror uh atmospheric horror, uh our final film from him and I was right, it is Spine eight eleven. Eleven. I usually don't remember. Uh but it is The Naked Island. Okay, well, which he I talks really a little bit watch about that. in some of the bonus yeah, episodes. I really want to watch that. Yeah. So
0: uh I was gonna say if we don't have any more from him, can I recommend that we put him as a bonus uh cat uh bonus yes? <laughs> yeah, because I want yeah to watch. but
1: we'd want to do a bonus just so we'd end up watching The Naked Island, right, so, so we will have it. to wait for it. Although the, the but, documentary
0: yeah. uh on Mizuguchi sounds pretty interesting too.
1: The documentary on Misoguchi and his uh, his documentary, uh, the well, not a documentary, but semi, in the same vein as The Naked Island, sort of documentary-like, uh, Children of Hiroshima. Yeah, Children really of
0: Hiroshima sounds pretty well. interesting. I also think My Beautiful Wife, I think it was called, also sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. He, he wasn't happy with the results, but that's not yeah. necessarily a thing that works against it. You know what I mean? Like, seeing things that a director is not happy with but inspires future work is... is
1: fascinating idea to to me yeah so what do you want to talk about with the title oh, okay so Might as um well start so there. the title
0: right is is a like and, and some of this is on wikipedia some of this is not um uh, but like so the title is yabu uh, no uh right so it's like a black cat in a bamboo grove right so as they mentioned in um in the wikipedia article and some of the other articles right this is a reference to the story that rashomon is based on which is called Yabu no uh-huh. right? Um, and the reason why I bring that up is that, like, they always make... Lots of articles make reference to that, but I feel like they don't go deep enough in, like, sort of examining what it means, sort of traditionally in Japanese culture, which I do think they're playing with a little bit here, to put a reference, a direct reference like that into, into a work of art. So, like, uh-huh. what, what it made me recall is that... So, in Japanese poetry you have something called a pillow word. And a pillow word is a is a reference that you put in that sort of in a sense sort of, it's like a like a, it's, if i was thinking like it's almost like a, like in programming or something where you can like pull an entire thing into your thing by just referencing it. It's like yeah. the idea is that like cuz like japanese traditional poetry like Heian era poetry is just chock fucking full of them. And what you do is you create a lineage of ideas. Within your poem, okay, because the goal is, is succinctness, right? Is an aesthetic of very short, uh, so you know, uh, poetry, right? So your goal is to like include a lot of ideas in your viewer's mind or your reader's mind, without having to say those ideas. Okay. So the goal is to like say like, okay, well, if I use this phrase, that's a reference to this poem, but it's not just a reference; it's a, all those ideas are in here too. And then any inclusions that it used are in it, too. And so you create a lineage back through time of, like, every poem that is important to you is included in your poem. Like, we kind of talked about this with directors a while back, talking about, like, the, I can't remember which director we were talking about, but we were talking about, like, the references to the references to the references, right? And how we get further and further sort of obscured and removed from them. But it's just it's sort of a built-in function of Japanese poetry, and I can't help but think that because like all these guys were taught that stuff in school, okay, like that's essential to Japanese like language education, right? Like you take a class just like we do here in the U.S. We take you don't just take English as a language; you take English as a like literature subject as a as a sort of conceptual concept, right? Um, That's a weird word phrase, conceptual concept, but as a concept, right? And so the idea, like, I think it's interesting to me because it's just like, oh, well, the concepts of, like, mysteriousness and and, in, and things not being concrete or, like, determinable that you get in, in, a, in a bamboo grove is, like, inherently included as a concept in here. Like, the deaths are mysterious. Different people have different perspectives on them. They're not clear, right? We even deal right. with that idea when we talk to um, what's his name, um, Minamoto Norika, the 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 samurai, the guy who's he interfaces with, who's it, like yeah. talks about the idea that like, well, we can say anything we want, right? Um, you right. you didn't right. fight right. this, you fought that, right? And so like the idea that like these stories are mutable and, and manipulatable and stuff is sort of included as a... I, just, I think it's interesting that, like... Because, like, the Wikipedia just talks about, like, well, it references this. And, like, I don't think that's a fair analysis of what I think he's trying to do here by naming it this thing. Yeah. Like, making it... And, like, and even actually set, and Unlike Rashomon, which is, like, sort of, like, messing with the setting a little bit, like, literally setting it in the same place and it, it's trying to pull those ideas right. in. Uh, so I just think it's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's I, I, I yeah, they, no, they that don't is... bring up that kind of those kind of concepts in the Wikipedia article. So,
1: right, that, no, that is very interesting, and obviously uh, approaching it from that from that literary heritage uh, is something that we don't even necessarily get in like our scholarly writing of this as you know film criticism film no i i don't think because i don't um, think
0: like you know. i don't know i think we do see a run into a bit of a blind spot when you're talking about film critics and stuff like how familiar yeah. are you or are you not with um like japanese traditional literature and right, stuff? Right, like right, i don't know right. it's like there's a lot of th- it's, there's a lot of things to know in the world right <laughs> so it's reasonable that right. you would not know them all right
1: yeah i i certainly think you know if we if we dug into Donald Richie's it work it definitely
0: exists out there i'm guarantee you that if we went hunting <laughs> for scholarly yeah. articles we would cuz O'Neill is well known enough that certainly somebody yeah. has written a scholarly article talking about this i didn't do the research either because i'm lazy and i don't want to spend i i enjoyed the movie a lot it wasn't 4 hours on jstor level of like it i i right, that, right, that right, takes right. a very special you need to hit an even more Esoteric spot on my brain for me to do that—to go to my special place and spend four hours on JSTOR looking for articles. Uh, you basically need to talk about Japanese medieval divorce if you want me to do that. That—that that yeah. is a topic that I will, in <laughs> fact, go look up JSTOR articles for. We've—I've done it a few times, but not—not not all of them.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shindo, um. We get a really nice bonus feature on this that Shindo talking about his uh his career mm. that doesn't even mention It this never movie. mentions this movie. I was waiting. <laughs> I was like Well, like, here's the thing. Yeah. It's a great bonus feature.
0: These are my favorite right. kind of bonus feature. Is like no like you know Tarano, Tarano Sato is like a really interesting person. I like every time he's a bonus feature. Like he's he's yeah. I mean he has passed away, but he is an extremely engaging speaker who talks in Levels of depth. He gets he gets ten minutes and says more about a movie half the time than like most of the critics we get over the course of like an hour. He just, right, it. right, right. But like having the director talk about his work himself is always such a rewarding experience. Um, he just has so much to say.
1: Just the biographical information we get from him, uh, is you know, it's it's interesting stuff. Like even uh, even the Criterion essay for this week um which is by uh uh by Maitland McDonough. Uh in the in McDonough's brief outline of Shindo's background says he came from a poor farming family. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not exactly true. No. He came from he came from a family that was a landowning class of farmers, uh, who then decided to try to get into uh some sort of speculation uh and lost all their money right, right before Shindo was born. Um you know, and his mother dies essentially seemingly because she was forced to go back to physical farm labor.
0: Uh Yeah. Well, um, bearing in mind that a, like when he screening. was born, right? So he was born in what? Uh, I was I looked it up. 1912, right? So the age, he, right. the time he's talking about is, drumroll, please, the Great the Depression. Depression. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, right, he right, right. and many, many, like, we don't we're we're given conflicting messages here. But my guess is, in that time, it was right. not but, wholly improbable that like a you could be a m- lower to middle middle class as a farmer. It was, and then. You, like many, many people, get kind of probably bamboozled into investing in the stock market or, or some sort of speculative investment, and then you have no money yeah. anymore because the stock market crashes. You and every other farmer you know is now poor. Right. Uh, and probably no longer owns your own land. Uh, it's probably been repossessed by the bank, and you're now working for them.
1: Um, so in that bonus feature, he talks about – I unfortunately can't remember the title of the film. Uh, but he saw a film as a young man that made him decide he wanted to be a film director. But there's already too many film directors in Japan, <laughs> and uh, and too many assistant directors as well. Uh, so he can't get a job. So he ends <laughs> multiple up multiple times a, yeah. like
0: the empire of the assistant directors. It's like a million of apparently a million of them. Apparently, yeah. of them apparently. Yeah. It's so
1: funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he ends up as a uh, film developer and. For, for reasons that are unclear even in his recollection of it uh whenever he was sent film to develop whenever his company was sent film to develop, the filmmakers also sent the script um <laughs> it's so gross yeah and, Sorry. And, he, and and given the time that this was happening mm-hmm. uh uh ended...
0: soft paper. <laughs> Yes, the crisis. scripts often
1: ended up in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh yeah. So 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 no one in the whole office read the scripts except for Shindo who who uh between uses thumbed through them and thought, I can be a script writer. And then went and got and became a script writer. Uh a,
0: a pe- oh Bangaku no isho. Yeah, that's it that's it. Oh there you go. Yeah, it's like yeah. the the life of Bangaku, which is like, I don't know. It's I I I'm, I'm betting you can't watch this movie anymore. I I would be my guess. I don't think you could, this I don't think this is a watchable movie. Yeah. Uh Sorry, I got distracted because I like looking it's trying okay. to find information so. But you remembered it now. Yeah. Well, I looked I it up. That. I I had to do some weird some clever searching, but you know, if you have enough search terms and you know some a few of the words of a of the name of a thing you can find it, yeah. So it ends up being Fuck it's a on Disney Plus. Sure. Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, it says what's on Disney Plus. I got a what's on Disney Plus thing popped up. Yeah, I guess I could go watch well, it. That's good. You can't, but I could go watch it.
1: There you go. Good. Glad to know it is available. Um, anyway, so uh, so he gets a job as a screenwriter for Show Chico, uh, essentially writes for every Shochiku director except for Osu. <laughs> Loves working with Mizuguchi. Ends up making a documentary about Kenji Mizujugi. Uh But also shares... I just love this little bit from the bonus yeah. feature where he shares that Mizuguchi told him that his scripts were terrible, that he doesn't write scripts, he writes stories. Uh, and it's always good to have a director who can be self-effacing right to to mention that one of the most famous directors i've ever worked with told me i suck
0: yeah it's like uh, you don't write you don't write dramas you write stories it's like one of those very like don't fuck around with this like you're just you're just not this is just not good enough uh sir comments it's i mean i it seems like it uh yeah, apparently Tulsa Totem had no talent for screenwriting. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing, right? It's like I, at the same time, you kind of get the impression like that sort of tough, uh, tough parenting kind of thing seems to have led him to try a lot harder, right? Uh, right. To do good jobs instead of just probably emulating the things he was reading on the toilet paper.
1: Right. Yeah. So the stuff he ends up writing that he can't trust anyone else to direct are the very personal stories that deal with the poverty he grew up in. And the death of his uh, wife,
0: uh, which is, like, the, the, the instigating event. Wife. Like, he's only married for, like, four years, yeah. and his wife dies of tuberculosis, um, which right. is, is apparently a theme we're going to just keep sticking with here. As 2024,
1: the year of tuberculosis. From, <laughs> uh, from 80 yeah, years, 90 December. years ago.
0: Uh, but, yeah, like...
1: Yeah, it's... It started in December with our Criterion films, but we have been very tuberculosis heavy for the last six weeks or so. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and that's how he ends up directing, is that he writes a movie inspired by his quest to become a screenwriter uh, and the support of his wife uh, until her death. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, His wife also, you know, not just... Not just emotionally supporting his quest, but also acting as yeah, you know, uh, script doctor as as many as many w- wives of writers end up seems doing. to have done uh, yeah his, pri- his primary editor uh, yeah no she was and he's oh, he's open about this she was very important to the work as well so um, oh my
0: god yeah okay sorry I have while you've been talking I've also been reading the the middle section. Of his biography, the Wikipedia Uh biography for him is very interesting. Actually, Um, yeah, he he got drafted right, Um, despite being like shit for it. Right, like they're like, we don't want you, except for now. We need everybody, so you're in. Um, Right. He and six other men, him, yeah, no, him and five other men are the only people of his hundred people draft group that survived the war. Yeah, they everybody else was killed seemingly as far as i can tell from reading and they and spent all the time cleaning the, a theater the that was one that comes up the, Takara, the Takarazuka the theater which is a famous women's theater troupe that got turned into a right military performance hall during the war and they cleaned it and then they were then sent and beaten by other people in the camp for having a for having a non glorious job and um, hmm, seems like a lot of things in his life may have informed his opinions about um, various elements of society. <laughs> yeah. A lot of very formative yeah. experiences uh, in this man's life is all I'm going to say. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and that's one thing, one of the other uh, in the print edition of the Criterion release, uh, there's not only the essay, but there's also an interview of, Joan Mellon interviewing Shindo uh in um in 1972 so just after this film came out with a particular interest in um Onibaba and this film Korinoko right she's a Japanese film scholar right she has a lot of interesting questions here and we'll, we'll make reference to them frequently throughout I'm sure uh but one of the things she asks is about uh She asks, is there any special reason why you, as well as other Japanese filmmakers, favor historical settings and legends, fables, and old stories for your plots? Basically leading into asking, why, why? Why the historical settings? Um, And he explicitly says, when I want to dissect a modern problem, I actually find many similar problems in ancient days. Uh, So... You know in order to better call out modern civilization, he tells these historic stories right. uh and it it gives you you know like we already said, it gives you that that veneer where you're allowed to allowed to uh critique
0: right and and you um, know he's he's not involved in it during the war, which is sort of the one time you can't even critique it through that, met, that right, lens, right right right, right. Yeah. The, the only time you couldn't do that in Japan was essentially the war period where you're like criticizing the samurai class was t- tantamount to um like sedition right. also right because like right. japan invented a whole new basically a whole new history for itself to like right a class that they had essentially said well this is the past this is old fashioned this is no good 30 years later they're like well we have to reinvigorate this as a concept because it'll allow us to lead these young men to their death uh, blindly. So, right. yeah. Well, it, it's really interesting that there's just this very brief period where you can't use the samurai essentially as allegory. And then at all other times yeah. you can just go fucking hog wild.
1: Right. Well, it's very interesting then with this movie that Shindo uh, takes that relationship seriously and then turns it on its head. You know, this is this is obviously very much a movie about how the current state of militarization in Japan is killing everyone. Right. Well, so it's interesting. Uh, I have
0: a, I have two possibilities about what this movie's about. I, You read the article, so you may have gotten details of specifically what's in his mind, but I have two competing theories. Actually, sure. I have three, two and a half, because one's not as good as the other ones. I see. I see. One's an obvious... Re- what are they? One is an obvious reference to the war period, right? Where you're talking right. about, like... Maybe you can see a direct allegor- set of allegories there about... And like, that's that's my takeaway. Right. And yes. so... You could also probably layer it over uh, perceptions of post-war occupation Japan as well. Um, okay. And the reason why... So, like... And I think you could make an argument that if you watch the way the story unfolds, right? So, the the son who becomes... The, uh, what? Uh, Gintoki or whatever. Uh, Kintoki? I forget what his name is now. I've, I've totally forgotten. Yeah. Hachi is his birth name. Right. Okay. So, Hachi is like... um he's a farmer he's working for and obviously like the easy one is the japan's like war period you take him away but, but where it sort of yeah. gets a little rough right as he comes back important right and the thing that didn't happen to japanese soldiers was they didn't come back important. they came back either That's in a fair. box yeah. or completely like degraded right like they're like it's like kind of the the entire public perception of what a of a what a a soldier was by the time the war was over was completely turned on its head, right? Um, and we've talked about right. that in the past. So the other theory I had was if you view it as, if you view the samurai that we see here as an occupying force, okay, a la Americans Again. post-war or Japanese people working with Americans post-war as Japan re, re, essentially re remilitarizes post-war uh, with the help of the United States, right? And so... You've got a sort of immediately post where you've got this sort of very similar kind of vibe in many ways of like sort of like lawlessness, wildness in in many ways kind of going around like you have, you know, this movie involves the rape and death of two women, right? That like a common, like there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on during the early days of the occupation, right? And you see Hachi is brought into the fold and the way that many people were brought into this sort of new reestablishment of society where you're going to have like things like police and military police and things like that. Right. And becomes an enforcer for that system and eventually has to attack the people who represent his past. Uh, and like people who don't necessarily want to align with this system. Um, I'm going to say it's another, it's uh, obvious. The obvious allegory is for the war. It's just right. that the problem is Hachi represents a strange character in that allegory because he represents a thing that just basically doesn't exist right post war there are right. no victorious japanese soldiers post war uh obviously you eventually get into the sort of the re the reification of the the of the the post war class that like eventually you end up with all those guys in government and stuff, but like well. 1968 it's a bit it's a bit early for that in the in the sense that like yeah we're we're still in basically the 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 American version in Japan of Operation Paperclip where it's just like well we'll just take all those old war criminals and just shove them back into government
1: well I think I think there's a chance your reads valid certainly I I, yeah I can see why you come at it that way and, and I think that's smart I think Shindo is maybe prescient of, of that because of the way uh, Raiko as a character talks about the nature of mythology. Yeah, yeah. Of, of mythology itself. Well, by 1968, the you have, that, they
0: have started doing that. That project is underway. It's just yeah. like not as fully formed as it is now. Or, or, right. Or even would be later. Hachi,
1: Hachi himself uh, survives by accident. Right and right. and becomes a hero by nature of surviving, right? Yeah, he did ultimately commit the last. You know, he he killed the final. He killed the final boss basically. Uh, first. Uh, the final boss, yeah, yeah. the the, he, the, the he, mythical giant did with some, his iron club.
0: Some XP farming there, and like everybody else did yeah. all the killing, and then he's like, "Well, I'll just yeah. get this one guy."
1: Um. Right, but he only got that one guy. We very clearly see because that one guy got stuck in the mud.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> right. You know, it, um, it, it, yes, that's true. I, wh- here's the thing, though. Is, okay, so not to, like, kind of, like, we don't need to get into this yeah. too hard, but I, I like it as a conversation point. It's like, here's the thing, though. Th- no soldiers ever became heroes. It just okay. didn't happen. People got Operation Paperclipped back into government, but wait, they still don't really... The only people who get made into heroes even now from the war... Are essentially people who had some even now the relationship is real fucking different than the american relationship in the sense that like like they make mo- the movies that you see now about soldiers for the most part are um right. like ones who had to go who ended up in concentration camp you know in like gulags or something like that or like who it's still about their sorrow and so it, it, i guess in some way it is like Valorization and stuff, but it's still like on their suffering, not on their glorious like yeah. successes, like Japan to this day still basically doesn't make hey, remember that time we won that battle movies They just don't, yeah, because that you suddenly have to enter into a dialogue about well a then losing the war, but b yeah. like what that meant and why it was happening, and the fact that that like, gets still kind of. I guess the the extreme right wing would like like to have that happen, but it just doesn't really happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. it's, well, just, it's guess, just an interesting thing. I don't. It's it's strange. Yeah. In
1: in thinking about what Hachi might mean, I think it's important to uh, recognize that Shindo himself does not. Hachi is not Shindo's insert character here. No, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, we maybe talked about this with Onibaba. I feel like I, I remember talking about this with Onibaba or at least coming up in what I was reading. But he sort of explicitly says it. He very much identifies with the mother characters in Onibaba and in this film. In both cases, uh, played by Nobuko Otawa, who he would marry, uh, would become his second wife. Um, oh, third wife. Third wife, yes, He becomes her is, mistress almost immediately.
0: After, but like, it's uh, yeah. he's, he pulls a he pulls a very classic director. Uh,
1: yes, yeah, except <laughs> a classic director, except that she is already very much of age by the time. Well, I they guess be. that's true. I guess that's she's true. Always, I don't know. She's always playing mother characters. One, one like, must assume yeah. that so, like
0: you're you're we're in a very we may be talking about a very. Um, who knows what the relationship there is at this point because their, yeah. their relationship goes on for 20 odd years while he's still married to his second wife. He only marries Otoa after his second wife dies. So clearly there's something more complicated here than, than sort of our standard director, but I don't know what it is. Oh man, I'm telling you it's, I think this movie's about what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I think this movie's about what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because it also no, lines think, up with I the, think... with the, the, with the American and Japanese, uh, um, security treaty because it's, it's signed uh-huh. in the 1950s, it's revised in the 1960s and 70s. That's where you get the Ampo protests and stuff like that. You have right, uh, which is which brings Japan into a, a sort of more and more complicit in the Vietnam War, which is a thing that was a big yeah. point of protest in Japan. And I'm fair. I'd be I'd be very surprised if Shindo was not like interested in that topic yeah. or talk. To- you know, I, I'm just saying like if you think about then. Hachi becomes complicit in the United States' – well, the representative of the right. United States' uh, actions, continued actions, right? Like it's continued military actions somewhere else, right? We don't see Hachi go off to war again, but he becomes complicit in, like the police in Japan do, become poli- become, become implicit complicit in American military actions in Vietnam, right? By putting down protests, they are complicit right. in the war in Vietnam, right? No, no, you're because Japan becomes a home base for the for the for the American troops going to first Korea, then Vietnam, and like you can see a sort of an idea that like well now Hachi is just a becomes just an enforcer for the state as it does its wars in other places right as it it's off doing military action it's got you have to keep the local population under control as well right you have to establish the the modern fascist state again in order to keep actual true participation in society from like rearing its ugly head
1: right 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 no i think that's i think that's smart you have you've you've won me over there an interesting thing with onibaba an interesting thing here is that uh these are these are horror stories in which the monsters are the heroes right um right this is not you know they are they are victims who uh are supernaturally allowed to to empower themselves, I suppose. Um, and exact revenge for, well, exact justice, really, right? Uh, you know, in as much as justice is available here. So, you know, his identification with the mother character is interesting um, in that, you know, whether... Whatever the samurai class represents here, they generally also represent militarization. Period. Right. right? And and, uh, and and that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, you know part of what Raiko, in talking about mytholo- mythologizing themselves, is is talking about how <laughs> the mythologization of you know, we. Uh, we've talked about as far back as you know the americanization of emily you know i'm not not a criterion but we watched it as a bonus episode pretty early on and i referenced it in our very first episode ever because it was a movie i was thinking a lot about when i think about war movies um is you know just that mythologization that takes place that creates more people more more soldiers right uh you know what what we talk about frequently with the with the uh, attributed to Trofeo quote about their not being able to, uh, no one being able to make an anti-war movie because by nature of showing war, you get people excited about war. Right. Um. So you know to have to have a character say to have a have a character who is a f- is a famous
0: yeah. I mean he's a, he is a legendary uh, figure in and of himself. He is yeah. He is the yeah. First notorious like the first legendary notorious minamoto and not the last
1: uh yeah To, to to have him say you know that most famous battle that established me as as the badass that i am he wasn't a demon he was just some guy but I let everybody think it was a demon, so that I could be, right. so that I would be cool and have power. It's um, yeah, I mean,
0: and they're engaged directly with Japanese legends at this point, right? That is yeah. a legend about right. Minamoto no Raika is that he yeah. killed, he and his like, and, retainers killed a demon, and
1: they are engaged directly with the uh, Bushido militarization that that the the uh the right wing is leaning on through the war right <laughs> through the thirties into the war of uh you know we've talked about this before of of you know using the sam- and we've talked about this already in this episode of using the samurai as uh historical justification yeah i mean and,
0: they they and, like the the know. amount of sort of historical revisionism that happens during the pre yeah. the leading up to to I mean, basically, during Japan's imperial phase, as it as it moves out of sort of its its hyper like its hyper industrialization into becoming an, a, a colonial power, right? Like it is, they just they just lean very very heavily on like old history that like they can rewrite in any way they want, right? Like they 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 justify conscription based on the fact that in the fucking year seven hundred. A Japanese Empire air Emperor yeah. conscripted a bunch of soldiers to fight in a war for him. Which is not that far away from the time period this is dealing with. This is probably dealing with like the what I think the twelve hundreds? No. Maybe. It's not clear because um no, it wouldn't be the twelve hundred, it'd be like exactly about a thousand uh, AD. So yeah. Um this yeah, yeah this be like the year uh the year one thousand ish.
1: We also you know... Reiko being our authority figure in this frequently gets um uh, pillared uh, as far as a a reading of this film goes. Uh not only not only do we put it in his mouth that his entire uh reputation is built on a lie, but he's the guy who hilariously can't understand why no one would like the samurais, or why someone wouldn't like the samurai's rather.
0: Well, I mean he he uh, it's really fascinating, right? Because he goes through the entire process, right? He's like he can't understand why nobody would like the samurai. And then he's like, but actually, who gives a shit what they think? Right. Like, he goes yeah. through an entire, like, sort of almost like dialectic on his own of, like, well, I mean, of course they all love us, but who gives a shit if they do? Or <laughs> basically, it's really like a right. fascinating, like, development over the course of, like, one yeah. conversation.
1: Yeah. Hachi gets uh, a little pushback because initially says why why would people not like the samurai we fight so the nobles and the peasants can live without worry i think is exactly yeah. what he says um and she says well maybe the nobles but uh the peasants suffer under the samurai directly uh and are starving to death and and the re the rejoinder is well the the weak ones suffer of course but they'll always suffer right yeah um
0: well, I mean, and you know, and then you you get line, lines like that where you're like, well, I mean, like Shindo is just like directly in conversation with modern Japan, right? World war, like war, right? With war period Japan and post war period Japan, of like exactly who did the army like help here? Like whose whose purposes right. did it serve? And the answer was never normal people,
1: right? The ruling class already. There's a really great bit in the Joan Mellon uh, interview. It is literally question three. Uh, Do you consider yourself a Marxist?
0: Yes. What is his answer? Uh, I'm so curious. I've been waiting to hear what his answer is.
1: So the context is she had asked about Onibaba uh, and how the people in Onibaba... In, if you remember Oni Bob, it takes place in in like a a reedy grove, yep. right? You know, we've got the the wind moving through the one of the images I remember explicitly is the the wind moving through the uh through the reeds. Um, really beautiful film, but she talks about how uh, the characters feel so small in that environment, right? Um, and he answers to saying that the the swaying reeds are a symbol of the world of surround of society surrounding people uh tall dense swaying reeds represent the world in which these commoners live into which the eyes of the lords and politicians do not reach my eyes or rather the camera's eye is fixed to view the world from the very lowest level of society from not from the top and she very smartly says Oh, do you consider yourself a Marxist? He says, "Ah, Marxist! I am a believer in socialism. Oh, nice. I can okay. say that I am a socialist.
0: Good, good. I'm, I'm so glad to hear response. that. Like, yeah. well, because you know, there's always that risk that you're like, well, I need to keep getting jobs, so I'm going to dodge around this question. Um, yeah. What? Um, when was the interview? Yeah, even when in 1972. All was... oh, well, right, oh, okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, He's... the reason yeah. why is you never know. You, like, you know, you never know, right? Although I yeah. I will say even to so, this day being a member of the Japanese Communist Party or one of those parties is a lot less stigmatized than it than it has ever been in the US at times, right? Like I mean in the sense that like yeah. oh yeah, you might end up in like some really bad depending on like if you join one of the militant wings or not. But like in general like that's just never you know. Yeah.
1: 1972, so sure. her next question is yeah. Her next question is to ask about uh, the sense of class struggle that she sees in Korinoko and in Onibaba, and his response is that you have to look at society. If you, rather, he says, quote, if you have to look at society through the eyes of those placed on its bottom level, you cannot escape the fact that you must experience and perceive everything with a sense of the political struggle between the classes. This <laughs> oh, sets the this general man. political background of the
0: film. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, good yeah it's nice when like it's not um uh, we're not reading extra information into a thing and it's just there yeah uh it really yeah. makes our job easier
1: yeah he does go on to to maybe caveat a little to say i cannot be, help but be class conscious but you have to remember i'm an artist not a politician. I will say there is there is one one more interesting thing later in the uh interview uh where they start to talk about other directors um and he very explicitly says cuz this is this is 1972 that the interview is taking place right mm. uh he very explicitly says that he liked uh Godard's early work better oh interesting um, <laughs>
0: Okay, that, here's that what I does not appreciate yeah.
1: Godard's recent political films. Here's what I'm going to
0: say. <laughs> so, is that you and I like Godard's yeah. political films not necessarily because <laughs> of the film itself but more about what it says about Godard? Right. Um, in terms <laughs> yes, of like yes. artistic merit, debatable, right? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh so I not to like totally derail our conversation. I just was on the right. Onibaba Wikipedia page because I wanted to go look and see if it like sparked any memories that I wanted to talk about. And I got to the legacy section. And it's like, oh, Willem Dafoe bought the rights to make a remake of Onibaba and then decided later that it might be he might just fuck it up. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's all. That's a level of um, I I admire the restraint. That was was that
1: fairly recently because I feel like I, I think
0: I... it must have been pretty recently. Uh, like it's just interesting because it's like it's like oh. Well, you know what, at this point, yeah, 20, fucking 20, no, it was retrieved in 2024. Sorry, I'm not reading correctly. When was this? Yeah. Out? Oh, interesting. Like, it's actually referencing a, the Criterion Collection, like, interview with him where he goes to the closet and he talks about it. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but like. Oh, okay. You know, I'm just thinking about, like, the fact that, like, hey, you know what, man? Yeah, you hold on to those rights because then nobody else can fuck it up either. <laughs> Yeah, We need to encourage yeah. more fans of uh, works to buy the rights just to fucking squat on them so that they don't get remade.
1: Right. Well, well, while I'm sure we can dig into more of, uh, the, uh, the class struggle as presented in these films drawing from this interview, I do want to close out the interview with the way the interview okay, closes. Yeah. Uh, we get on Godard because he's asked about, uh, if there's any Western directors he admires. Um, and he says Orson Welles and Eisenstein. Um, and and godard and she asked if if godard's more recently political works or something he's interested in obviously given the conversation we've had so far that would be a logical question and he's like no (laughs) i mean i I which is great (laughs) because also yeah by 1972 um we're not to our favorite yet right uh but Tav- uh, is Yeah, what year is that? I oh, okay, so
0: we haven't gotten where a point where he might have had a turnaround on his opinion on that.
1: Oh, wait. Tovah does actually come out in 72, so, so it would have yeah, been he around he may have just seen it quite um, recently or
0: something. Right. I, I, here's right. what I'll say. It's like, right. to, uh, I cannot pronounce the name of that movie even now. Yeah. Here's the thing about it, is like, it's not the most filmically good no. film made by by, by Godard. Right, it's right. just interesting from a and, political perspective.
1: And and Goddard's politics are politics of someone learning lessons. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Res Shindo is someone who has already learning yeah, th- lessons. Yeah, Shindo's already
0: been hit over the head by the, those right. lessons about a how about a thousand um, times. So yeah. um Yeah.
1: Um so so she closes it out uh with uh well how about how about other Japanese directors? Do you like any of them? Um, particularly young Japanese directors, and he names uh, Oshima, uh Shinoda and Imamara as as explicitly, but then says in many, many more. I'm sure if he could have named all of his contemporaries right, he would yeah. have. Uh <laughs> and she says, What about Tesha Gahara? He says, Yes, of course. Love Teshagahara. Uh and she says, uh, he he says, "I love, I admire so many young directors, uh, and among older directors, uh, Mizuguchi is obviously the one." Right. He he says he loves the most, and she says not Kurosawa. Uh, yeah, and and this is the last line of the interview. <laughs> the last question is not Kurosawa. And, and the last lie is, "Oh yeah, no, of course." Uh, yeah, you, you can't. You can't. <laughs> Kurosawa too. You can't. You can't. Yeah.
0: You can't <laughs> like, unfortunately, you cannot step to Kurosawa. I mean, like, hey, he's seen yeah. high and low, Garen fucking Teed, and like, say right, what right, you right, will right, about right. Kurosawa's yeah. like the politics of other parts of Kurosawa's work. High and low is a very politically charged work, uh, and and has an interesting yeah. understanding of the relationship of of normal people to the state, right? Um I haven't seen yeah. it in many, many years, but like, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, you can't not, <laughs> not say you like Kurosawa, basically it's against the law. You'll go to jail. Um, and I'm sure he does. Right. Because again, you've seen, we've seen, we've seen Kurosawa do amazing work. And I mean, he he references, he essentially references Rashomon in this movie, uh, for all intents and right. purposes, like, you know, and, and, and that's a guarantee. That's also a discussion of like power and, and, State and like who's right and who's wrong relative to like society and things like that, and so it, it's right. It's, I mean, yeah, every basically every director worth his damn is engaged in these conversations, uh, uh, yeah, at this time, right? So,
1: right, and the other directors he names, as right, yeah, absolutely. yeah, are people who are engaged in those conversations exactly, too, yeah. right?
0: Um, yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's interesting because like it is it was it is a powerful time in Japanese cinema, it just is like. Where yeah. like we just we see basically banger after banger like in terms of like just like political messages and ideas and stuff, and even you know your even your kind of more conservative older guys like ozu that we run even even they at times after the war kind of very lightly touch on these subjects. We talked about that with um right, which one was that where we talked about the occupation? I can't remember now.
1: I think it was just Tokyo Story. It might have been. Tokyo. Where, I'm uh, so.
0: I'm like my brain here. Yeah. Like, there's two. We've seen two videos of films at this point. It feels like, but
1: yeah, where he's taking, t- admittedly very. Oh, subtle, they're very but subtle, still. but
0: they're they're still there. There's like weird sort of little things that happen. You're like, well, that that clearly would only happen in the occupation. This is only a thing that is an artifact of the occupation, um, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is maybe our our most intensely Marxist director from Japan that we've had. Maybe not only, but definitely <laughs> right. one of them. which I I I I, I appreciate. One of them. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, he talks about um, making the Naked Island, which we're, we will watch in like fucking five, like what eight years? Yeah, uh, <laughs> a few years. But like not eight, but a few. <laughs> but he talks about it, and like they basically had to create a sort of egalitarian filmmaking state. On This island right. to get it done because, it's like, oh, we, we don't have the money to do this the way you're supposed to make movies. Right. Uh, and I find that yeah, really it fascinating, ex-
1: yeah. Where he explicitly says we paid everyone equally and then also told them give the money to your family because you're you don't not going it, to where need we're it going. Where, yeah. we're going. where
0: we're going. We're <laughs> going, we don't need uh money or roads, apparently. Yeah,
1: we're we're committing a cash, <laughs> we're. Co- we're creating a cashless society on this, uh, it'll be a utopia, it's on an island, It's. Uh, we're making a movie about how poor people, it sucks being poor farmers, but, uh, you know, we're all going to be equal while we're there. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's yeah. really
0: fascinating because he talks about, like, the way that they even structured the actual making, beyond pay and stuff, like, the way, like, yeah. oh, well, like, it became a sort of flat structure almost, I mean, he's quote-unquote in charge, but like, it's like, hey, man, like, if right. we're going to get through this shit, we all have to pitch in ideas, we cannot... Right. This is not gonna work if it's just uh if it's like pure hierarchy. And then it seems like he just sort of takes that and runs with it for the rest of his career because it's like they were doing workshops every year yeah. on like how to run a studio that way. Yeah. Or a production yeah. company that way. It's just very fascinating. It's like, oh man.
1: Right. And that that sort of becomes how he runs his indie studio. Yeah, from then on, and, right? Which you know, is that's, probably what kept him right.
0: in business, frankly, because like if that they had tried to run it the way you would run a yeah. traditional studio probably would have actually gone bankrupt instead of almost going bankrupt a bunch of times.
1: Right. The the closest thing I can think of that we've ever experienced before was that uh in the BBS box set they talk about how everyone who worked for BBS owned owned shares of every movie basically. Right, right. Uh but but that was by nature of we can't afford to pay anyone, so even the secretary is getting paid a percentage of right each right right, right.
0: Um, well, and this is sort of a similar thing to that, but it's like it's a much less right, sort of right. directly capitalist interpretation of that because it's like, well, like nobody's getting paid for this shit, <laughs> like almost it's like right. well, we're you know, instead of shares, it's like, well, we'll all get paid when this movie makes money, otherwise we're all getting just this like two hundred bucks I mean. Neman is nothing to sneeze at in like the 1960s. Like it's just like it's a pretty right. de- it's not like it's not nothing for sure. I don't know what it would be in modern money, but like the inflation on the Japanese yen is, was quite high during the 80s. So, um, yeah, 20,000 yen. What year was Naked Island made?
1: It was yeah, 1960.
0: OK, yeah, so. that's going to in. Oh, this is going to be a hell of a search. We'll see what happens. Japanese yen calculator, inflation calculator. 100 yen in 1956. That's not what I wanted. Um, well, what am I doing here right now? What 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 is what is this website? This is terrible. Why did you give me 1956? You're I didn't not... type in 1956. What, what the fuck are you doing?
1: Probably because it's the earliest it can do.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I just would have assumed it would have carried over the the search criteria, that's all. No. Uh, we couldn't calculate this. What? why why what why? why because because
1: inflation calculators are notoriously bad
0: i it's like oh, why okay it says it must be between 1956 and 1921 but they give me 19 uh, 2024 or 1956 and 2021 but they give me 2024 as an option on the drop down menu and it defaults to that <sighs> who's fucking running this website um, oh, it's only one hundred ten thousand dollars, or one hundred ten thousand. Sorry, sorry, All right. I'm misreading. I'm, I'm misreading. Sorry, it would be. I my brain. I had a brain fart. It would be. I can't, I can't do the math back and forth between Japanese yen and, and. It would be. Hey man, they paid him a thousand bucks for like two yeah. weeks worth of work, or three weeks worth of work, or whatever it was, or a month worth of work. It's not bad. Yeah, it'd be slightly and, more than. that. It'd probably tell be like,
1: him, but leave. But leave it at home and just bring enough for cigarettes. Yeah, basically, it's, which is very funny. Well, hey, you're not. Uh, yeah.
0: You're also not going to spend any of it on the on the island because you can't. Right, right, right. Yeah, it'd probably be like almost <laughs> like no, probably like 1200, to buy 1300 dollars now, probably. <laughs> given the, yeah, a couple more bad. years of inflation. There you go. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I, re- I really look forward to watching that movie as well. I'm really um, excited it about really it. I, I, like, I, I, it kills me when yeah. we have to wait
0: like until eight, eleven, or whatever. Like yeah what what number are yeah. we on right now? I don't even know uh five eighty seven or so so fifty movies a year so yeah we're it's four like and a half years five, away four to five years away basically between four and five years yeah away. thereabouts yeah mm. <sighs> Man, I it's just okay it'll be worth it. I know it'll be worth it i'm just i just don't wanna wait
1: yeah uh yeah I like uh I like Tato Sato's uh bit on the bonus features too. Always always fun to hear from Sato. Oh yeah, he's uh, my favorite. He's...
0: Like he's probably my favorite critic to yeah. hear from.
1: Yeah. Um particularly when we're talking about Japanese film. I mean I'd it's rather when he mostly comes than... up.
0: Yeah. I mean like he has written yeah. cri- cri- like he does do critical work on other countries but like we hear him when he right. talks because he's like encyclopedic knowledge of Japanese cinema basically. Yeah. Right.
1: I'd certainly rather hear from Sato than Don Ritchie. So, yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah.
0: I mean like Yeah. Sato has like has he's just a very compelling speaker. He he only ever has like 10 yeah. minutes on any given movie, but he jams so much fucking insight into his 10, mo- 10 minutes. It's wild to me. Right.
1: Yeah. Um first off him pointing out that uh ghost films or just summer blockbusters yeah, absolutely. every year. Yeah, in, to this in day. Japan, to this it's day. It's really interesting. Like, yeah.
0: It like you it's worth noting that like it is a common practice to set up haunted houses during this season in yeah. Japan. Like uh, early, right pre pre-early like late July, early August to like middle of August is like haunted house season here too. It's cuz it's also summer festival nice. season, and summer festivals will often well, it's not uncommon to put a, a haunted house in it. Uh, or near, right. or some sort of festival. It won't necessarily be a summer festival, but like, um, yeah, it's the dead are here. Same reason you do it in yeah. uh, in uh, the same reason America does it in like the end of October. This is when the dead walk the earth. Right. Uh, right. 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 It's just in a little uh, bit less scary way. It's not meant to be scary here necessarily. Right. On its base Buddhist level, because it's supposed to be a good thing. You are going to commune, like, hang out with your dead ancestors. Yeah. Uh
1: his, I would say Sato's Sato's framing of this movie uh as a reverse John Wick was interesting. <laughs> Obviously not terms he uses, but the idea that uh this is the cat taking revenge for the murder of its owners.
0: Yeah, 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 right? Uh, like yeah, it, it it's interesting because like traditionally the black cat like the Baka neko is like will devour its victims and turn into yeah. them, become them is a sort of yeah. a traditional, but like obviously with a lot of these sort of folk tales, right? There's a lot of different articulations of the same idea and in this situation it doesn't necessarily seem that they are the cat as much as like they're imbued by the power of the cat. Like the, the, the spirit that it is right. the cat become is the animating force for them. It's really fascinating. Like from a sort of like movies cosmology perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's playing with with the expectations there, um. But yeah, his 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 framing of, you know, obviously they are they are cat people, right? Yeah. In in how we see them, um. But the idea that it wasn't them resurrected had never entered my mind.
0: Me neither. Until we uh, like until he brought that up, and I was like, oh, I should go investigate. And like, cause I don't really I don't yeah. really truck with Japanese. Uh, ghost stories, other than like knowing right, like right. the, the ba- vague outlines of it. like there are people who are like obsessed with them. For me, it's sort of like a when I bump into them, I always find them very fascinating, but I'm not like obsessed with them. Um, yeah, but yeah, like the idea oh, that, like, because like that would be a traditional articulation of this, right? The cat yeah. assumes their form to exact, like not necessarily exact revenge, because normally the cat eats its victims, but in this situation it would right eat it, it would would consume the life essence of its mat its owners in 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 pursuit of vengeance right it's a really fascinating idea
1: yeah 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 i found it really interesting um but yeah he's just he's very smart
0: yeah i mean that's the <laughs> yeah. thing is like he just he i don't know like i don't know how to describe it he reminds me of a very very good teacher when you like listen to him yeah. talk like it's like oh this person is extremely insightful about this topic and right. it would be really neat i should just buy one of his books honestly i don't know probably probably and just read it instead cuz it's like we don't ever get enough of him it's like 10 minutes it should be yeah. it should be an hour
1: <laughs> so unlike onibaba unlike quaidon uh this movie did not have big play in the US okay um, one reason uh, is suggested in McDonough's essay is bad luck um, and and but it is an interesting stroke of bad luck so quite on gets famous internationally because it goes to con oh, okay and does really well at con people. You know, the French critics loved it in Cannes, so it became, uh, you know, a critical darling and uh, and a movie buff, a thing people wanted to see. This movie, coming out in 1968, Corneco goes to Khan, and 1968 is the year, we've talked about this previously, is the year of Khan where, in solidarity with the student protests and in... Protests themselves against the uh, minister of art, or or some 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 government minister, uh, basically kicking out the guy who was in charge of Con uh-huh. uh, for for political reasons. Uh, Truffaut, Godard, and Male all worked together to shut down Khan halfway through the uh, the event. Uh-huh. So basically Koroneko never got to be seen at con because of because of Godard in in a way. So maybe that's why why 4 years later um, Shindo's like, "Eh, maybe I maybe I like older older Godard better. Godard yeah. before he got political was Godard before he got my movie
0: shut down." Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, I think it's you know, it's just a bad stroke of luck. It, it, here's the thing though is like it did get good. Play in Japan, like again, as they talked about, like, yeah, yeah. But it, those are summer blockbusters. They're they're always big sellers. Like, fucking everybody loves a ghost movie in in summer here, and it, it's, it is. Um, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate, right, that this is not as famous as right. it could be because it is. I will say that, like, if you had to like compare, like, Oni Baba is a little bit more like funky as far as films go, right? Like, it, slightly more, um... This one is is a little more weird as it sounds like slightly more, in my mind, down to earth. Yeah. I don't know why that is, because this movie is chock full of, like, very ethereal scenes, right? Like, it just is. It's, right, right, right. And I love every single one of them. Like, um, Sato talks about, like, the the, the, the the slow motion shots, and, like, yeah. When they're doing like their their cat flips and shit, it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. You know what it reminds me oh, of? Oh yeah, no, it's great. It's it reminds me of Tokyo Olympiad. Yeah. Like when just they're the when he's filming shot. like the, the gymnastics and stuff at Tokyo Olympiad, like the how like strangely kind of like floaty and like Im- everything feels like it's in water. Yeah. And it's, it's it's yeah. I don't know. It's just I, I and I will say that when they when he's working with black in this film, like when he's when he's dealing with like empty space, this movie gets maybe about as beautiful in a sort of abstract way as a film can get. Like yeah. the contrast the way contrast is used here to create like just these vast voids in which like single beacons of light exist, and the beacons of light are most oftentimes the avenging spirits, not the not right, the ba- not the actual bad guys, which are the which are the samurai. Um, yeah, I, man, this, this movie yeah, is course, really fucking gorgeous.
1: The use of stage inspired lighting helps mm-hmm. with that. The Toho scope right. definitely helps with that. Um, you know, they they use spotlights, they use you know, and you know, so many of the people, in, the actors in this film, come from a stage background, right? Right. Um, they you know Japanese stage in its in its various forms.
0: Yeah, we do get a blend of traditional acting forms in here as well, right? And that's probably in right, many right. ways. Uh, um, so man, I'm having trouble talking. It is probably in many ways thanks to like the relationship with like Takarazu and stuff like that. Like in the sense that like, oh, definitely where yeah. those are those kinds of review groups tend to do blended. Um, I I've, I I don't go see that one, but I, there's one in my area that I do go see from time to time that like tend to like not. Be like restricting themselves to one or another expression, uh, yeah, uh, like type of of Japanese. They tend to, as a review, tend to blend forms, right? They'll have kind of kabuki mixed in with more modern stuff. Might even throw in some no or something like that. Uh And you do see right. elements of all of those things in uh, in here, and I find that really, really fascinating as well. Like that, I think that's it. Like, cause like you get like they mentioned in some of the stuff for this like blending kind of no when the when the mother is like alone and is kind of presented a single entity she's basically doing no theater performance but then we get into sort of kabuki right. type type performances later like in other places like certainly um hachi you know uh gintoki is like um doing real hardcore kabuki theater poses right right, right. and, and face like yeah well, all we're missing is the is the elaborate makeup, right? Like uh, it, or, to get like fully kabuki, like every like when he addresses the camera. Oh, it's so good! Yes, yeah,
1: and of course, uh, no- Nobuko Otawa uh, was part of right Takarazu. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, Otawa was part of uh, that,
0: Takarazuka, and like um, you know, um, was it? Uh, nakamura the the main uh, male lead is was part of a kabuki trip as well like they're all stage actors and they're all this movie supports stage actors in a way that a lot of movies don't right like a lot of times stage acting doesn't apply but the stage acting here lends to the ethereal quality right it 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 helps to make it seem more unreal like and i think in that i think that separation is in many ways what allows this movie to be as successful as it is for us, at least, because you want to talk about real world problems by using the past, it helps to sort of, in some ways, lampshade the fact that this is like not the real past. This is right. like a kind of production of the of the past to tell you something about now. I think the acting helps with that and helps to make ethereal, which helps to do that. Right. It's not a obviously the historical wire work epic. also helps to do yeah, that. Well, but, right, right, right. Yeah, right, of course. Right. But the wire work is also part of Kabuki theater, right? Like the black, right. the black voids in many ways are are a kind of a send back to no theater and the way you handle um, moving, you know, creating illusions on stage and stuff. Like, like well, we're just going to wash everything in black. And so it, there's a lot of ref, like yeah. stylistic things here that are sort of send ups to historical theater types um and yeah like incredibly successful like it is when it when it's trying to be that way like cuz sometimes when you know you know sometimes when they're just in a dialogue scene where it's just like between like uh uh Minamoto no Raika and like and uh, Gintoki it's not really meant to be as theatrical uh it gets a little bit more de- like when when Minamoto no Raika has to like deliver his lines it gets way more, I don't want to say real, but more like less ephemeral and much more like, I'm just going to tell you how we see the world now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we lose some of those elements. I think that helps because like you've got this spiritual world that like Gintoki is interacting with. And then he goes to the real world, quote unquote, where it's just like an asshole with a mustache telling you how it is.
1: Right, right, right,
0: right. Yeah. And it helps the audience, I think, in many ways to be like, yeah, that is how it is, isn't it? <laughs> like, Right. That is the bullshit, isn't it? Like, we're not, this guy isn't even going to put a veneer on it. It's just going to be the shit. Um, And I think that's really, right. I think it helps. I think it, like, really addresses its message in a really, like, poignant way.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the music too. Okay, sure. Um, immediate, immediately on board with this movie with the strong start of the music, like just the fan, uh, the opening bit. Um, but even beyond the music, the sound design of this film across it, mm. I have I have frequently frequent notes that the sound design in this film is amazing. Yeah. Um, it's the way different sounds of, are isolated even like the sound of the horse walking i made a note about it's just really cool the way it, the way it's in there um but but the opening with the music and then essentially the next 10 minutes are in silence mm-hmm. right and need to be right the quietness of that moment of of them being murdered uh, raped and murdered um and left burnt but Oddly, not burnt. Uh, I think that's supposed to be partially samurai... r-
0: like, uh, kind of like um, uh, um, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, having to do with ghosts and stuff. I think that is supposed to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't. I my brain is fried. I, like, I, ethereal. No, I was like trying to like for? not not spiritual, but the thing that you get when you're dealing with like, um, yeah. Nah, fuck it, it's not worth it. It's very ghostly. Doesn't matter. It's very like oh the yeah. like the. The gods and stuff are involved in the fact that they're not burned to a crisp, right? Yeah, it's very supernatural. Thank you, supernatural. That was Uh, the word I was looking for. My brain could not come up with that word at all.
1: The ethereal supernatural way uh, that shot and uh, soundtracked, um, and then with the the samurai sort of snaking their way out of the woods and back into it, right? Yeah. Uh, It's just...
0: Well, like yeah. we we get a um, very specific picture of samurai like right off the bat, right? Like we establish what they are from like basically right. moment one, right? They're a bunch of fucking assholes with swords. who are gonna come in here, right. you know, do all kinds of heinous acts, act like they did a good thing, and then walk away, right? Like they're gonna be, right? They are, they are, the the state and evil incarnate, right? They just they here they roll right. in. They fucking destroy everything, r- kill people, and and do horrible acts, and then they and they just sort of disappear back into the forest. No right. one's culpable, right? They are not. A, they are not. They specifically are not characters in this movie. They right. are faceless force. They have faces, but their faces are purposely grotesque and like right. bar- and barbaric, very much on purpose, right? The film is making them into right. They're they are and- just act. Of the state, right? They don't have individuality right. at all.
1: Right, and then over the next ten minutes, they're killed in montage. Right, right, like, exactly. Yeah, all of yeah, yeah. them die.
0: Well, and like, yeah. and and you know, we we and we see them in their finery, right? They're killed in their in their yes, they are. Oh yes. we we see yes. them specifically in the form that they take to present to the society that enables their actions, right? Like they, the, in, when they are doing their acts, they are these monsters, these barbaric like faceless beings that just act with impunity right. and, and 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 destroy and then we see this face that is presented by them to for the, the for to those for whom they act right like the for to the right. high society right and who for whose benefit they act right and in many ways we see a a, a direct sort of parallel to like modern police and stuff right like we, we see their brutal side, oh yeah in in the in the real world when interacting with normal because that's what they they basically are there's like the idea that we can separate the police and like fucking army is like normal people yeah is like is, yeah. a, no, is a is a is a myth a mythology that liberalism has built in in our society right like these are the same thing yeah um yeah, but we see things like in protests and stuff like the way the police uh, present themselves to the masses when they're when they're right. going to do violence right they're faceless, they're wearing helmets, they're like They're like they're monsters. Right. And then but then like we see the events where they like dress up in their dress uniforms and suddenly they're polished and they're like, aren't we this respectable force that protects you? The landed capital class. (laughs) Right. We can't present you with our real face. We can't present you with our real face because you need the veneer. Right That we don't have to bother to give to the peasants like that's not necessary for them, in fact, we're more effective right. when we're monsters to them, yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure it's Reiku early on, though I might be conflating this because Reiku is the guy who says the quiet part out loud, yeah, but it's his job
0: he's <laughs> his job is like is just a yeah. it's just <sighs> the quiet part speaker,
1: yeah, um. But as the murder montage is pulling to a close, I'm pretty sure it's him who says strange things happen in war-torn countries, which is obviously very on the nose for for the meta commentary that right. this movie is making. Absolutely. Uh yeah. Um but I do love <laughs> I do love the progress to uh introducing Hachi uh because it's <laughs> he's talking about this problem and how he's convinced it's not a ghost, but a real-world monster. Still refers it to it as a monster, but he's convinced that it's a real person. Um, and none of his none of his people want to deal with it. Oh like, yeah,
0: no, we don't want to die. And it's like Huntley, like where where's this guy? No, he's he's over here in this place. Where's this guy? So they 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 draft oh, he's, a farm boy basically to go do their, their yeah. bidding for them, right? But
1: but the way it works in film is uh, he ends a scene saying, "Isn't there anyone willing to kill this monster?" And we get an immediate smash cut. To Hachi fighting the giant, right, right, uh, <laughs> poorly. Uh, oh yeah, I mean barely Hachi running fighting, away like through... not, not really yeah. fighting, right? Yeah. And
0: like, and we we're given a picture like we're we're the movie continues to explain to us like what this class is in actuality, right? Like what right. they like the same thing we we ran into during protesting, like time and stuff like that. Like it's like it's a bunch of just essentially cowards, like who are. Yeah, clothed in armor to like enact the bidding of somebody else right like it's it's just he's right. just like a it, I'm trying to think of there's a plenty of movies that do this right when they do war commentary right like we just dressed up a farm boy and like handed him a sword and said go yeah. go kill monsters <laughs> right yeah but it's worth noting that the monster is, is over there is the manifestation of the, the like the do, desires needs and will of the people right like Right. like we yeah. we see him run into a we see them run into a real farmer, his former neighbor It's like, hey, who the fuck are you? And basically it's like, yeah, a, yeah I mean like he he's hyper dismissive of of them as a class to just to to lend a voice right. that we can't quite get from his mother and his his wife that's like, yeah, we don't I have no this this work does nothing for me right this is not helpful to me as a person. <laughs> Sorry, haven't seen your mom since. Since they burned down our village, her, yeah, like yeah, yeah. By the way, Had why are you wearing the clothes on. of the assholes who burned down their vi- our village?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's also worth <laughs> right. noting. It's really like worth noting, right? Those people, in theory, like it. it I mean, it gets it, the movie is really has a lot of room for investigation, right? Because those people work for Minamoto no Raika. Like he, they are his soldiers. They're not even the enemy right. soldiers they are in right. theory on team this village right and and it just lends more to that idea that like once they become right. a functionary part of the of this state enforcing its its will to protect this landed gentry, like it doesn't matter everybody's an enemy who isn't part of that class. Right, it's no longer relevant. Like whose side you're on, because there's only one side that matters, and that's the side going up, not the side going down. Because I mean, they're wandering around. I mean, uh, like, we 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 know that they are, because like Raika's, you know, worried about them being killed. Right? He sees essentially right. the people enacting vengeance on on his soldiers, and you know, can't can't have that.
1: Right. Well, those are the guys who make it so the peasants can live without worry though, Pat. Right. So by why... being dead.
0: <laughs> right. Like, you know, the way the definition That's... of living without worry is paying your taxes or being dead. Those are your two op- those are your yeah. two options for life without worry. Another
1: thing that comes up in the uh the bonus feature that Shindo talking about his career. Um filmed in nineteen ninety eight. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Um when he's talking about his relationship to realism and how I think he's explicitly talking about Mizuguchi uh not viewing setting as its own force. Uh you know, he said he says, I believe a flower can act. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but he's talking about um how you have to use symbolic elements to reach true realism that uh it can you can't just shoot it documentarily uh you know i, I you know we've talked about this before we talked about this recently uh, with uh with the uh the carlos stuff how devotion to the strict facts uh does not allow truth
0: Right. Now, we were much more dismissive of that interpretation of that concept than I am of, of Shindo's interpretation of that concept here.
1: Well, no. Uh, I think it, it it cut both ways with Carlos because uh, Aseos was saying we uh, we use facts when we have facts and then we build on facts to create a narrative when we don't have facts and the narrative they were creating was sometimes not great.
0: Right, right, yeah, uh, that's what I mean, yeah. Like, whereas what but, Shindo's talking about is a much more, like... Yeah. A, a much more, like... Yeah. I don't know the word...
1: Asaeus used every fact they had available. Right, basically. right, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> whereas, used all parts of the fact cow.
0: Whereas, yeah, whereas yeah. Shindo is... More engaged with like the heart of the matter, like if you like, he's right. engaged with the idea that like truth exists in a place beyond facts, right? Like where, where you are now getting into the ideas in, inherent to a thing, uh, and I don't think yeah. I don't think S A S is actually engaged with that idea, not really. Yeah, I don't. He right. he is right. engaged right. with the idea. Yeah, well, that I certainly... have to fill in blanks, which is not the same thing as Shindo is talking right. about here.
1: Right, that was certainly a problem we had with with Carlos, uh, that we talked a lot of depth about yes
0: Uh, (laughs) a lot about
1: (laughs) yeah uh yeah whereas here you know shindo's talking about using symbolism to to shorthand some of the realism but in order to facilitate reaching something ultra real i guess right yeah like well it's Um, getting
0: it's allowing we kind of talking about we've talked about the nature of art and stuff before right uh, on this podcast yeah. quite a bit where the idea of like trying to generate feelings and create thoughts and ideas like, you know, conveying what emotionally is important for you to your audience and things like that. And like the kind of going to more of the actual essential truth of a thing rather than, than, than the sort of cave, you know, the shadows on the wall kind of thing. Right. Like this sort of like, right. Deeper right, right. interpretation like he talks about like, uh children of hiroshima and the idea that like well i'm not going to just show a bomb like that's not right an effective or useful tool in this in this in accomplishing what right. i want to accomplish here which is making people understand rather than just see right and i and i like we, we've talked about right. that with regards to the atomic bomb quite a bit right it's like the the clips that americans are used to seeing on tv do not in fact convey the real heart of the matter right like you have to like when you engage with like the personal accounts and the and the 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 people who live through it and the, as they talk about it, you get to a much deeper heart of the matter of like what it really means right uh, rather than just sort of a, yeah. a, sort of the the sort of surface level aesthetic of like the bomb right because I mean I think like when we when we talk about the bomb a lot of times the atomic bombs like we end up engaging with them as like, especially as Americans, we're presented with like, well, isn't this an amazingly powerful thing we built? Isn't it scary? Rather than engaging with like, isn't this an an amazingly destructive thing that like killed like, and destroyed the lives of so many people? Like engaging with the stories of the people who were affected by it rather than engaging with it as a powerful force that we harness even things that try to talk about many much like the idea about no good war films films that try to talk about right the bomb especially within America tend to engage with it as like be, behold we are gods <laughs> even though like even when it's a negative interpretation yeah. of that it's still like we we harness the power of the gods basically like
1: <laughs> yeah there was there was somebody on Blue Sky the other day uh who uh Andrew Reeves, um Andrew S S H I dot b dot social if you want to see it. Uh, well, I'm not gonna type that in. I but can't <laughs> he posted, sorry too late for that. I seriously like that we now have two sets of Godzilla movies. The American oh, yeah, ones, saw that one where yeah. he's an ally of mankind, and the Toho ones where he's a destructive force of nature, if not outright malevolent. And I don't know if I'm just making the subtext text. Uh, but i I uh, retweeted that, and I added that's it's not that the Americans lack subtext. it's that that's how we think of the bomb. That's how we think of war. They are our friends. They're our allies. Uh, that's not how the Japanese relate to war and the bomb. It's a destructive force. uh you know, so it's still Godzilla still represents the bomb. <laughs> or or the war more generally in both
0: senses i saw that same tweet i think probably or that same yeah. skeet, i think people are calling it now which makes me very uncomfortable yeah yeah i don't i, I don't mean like that's obviously a joke on purpose but nonetheless still uncomfortable um right but like i think he may have clarified further or maybe i did read the thing you wrote but like yeah i mean it is it is about the american like even when americans are scared of the bomb they're still very well aware of it. it's our tool that we gave birth to and we control, uh, which is very different than uh, the way anybody else who is in its has either experienced it or is in its like sort of purview of action is it feels about it. Right? I don't think you. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's like very different perspectives on it and like honestly i'm not gonna lie the american perspective on it through as viewed through godzilla is a useless one (laughs) right like this as a tool that we've harnessed that's our friend is useless as a as a like philosophical concept right it it accomplishes gets us nothing except for making it another like tool in the tool belt of like american military propaganda thank you for turning Godzilla into American military propaganda. That's what we all needed. Right. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, but it is fascinating, right? That like uh, the the Americans in like American cinema encountered a thing that is 100% directly about the atomic bomb. And it's like, yeah, we should make that, uh, about how it's going to be our friend. (laughs) Like it's, it's pretty amazing actually. Uh, how that works out. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> why would, why would Godzilla hate the samurai, Pat?
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking about some of like what's going, you know, you were talking about who the, he- you know, the heroes of the story and stuff. I was thinking about, because I I watched, I rewatched some of those um, YouTube videos about the hero's journey and stuff, you know, cause like Maggie Mayfish and some yeah. of those people did like these sort of videos on those. And I was, It's come up quite a bit recently, right? At least in my watching purview, it's come up again quite a bit. And the hero's journey. And the idea that, like, is fascinating to me that, like, that concept is out there floating around American cinema and, and Japanese cinema, too, don't get me wrong. And then, like, you have movies like this that inherently show that, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, whole strings of movies that just do not adhere to that philosophically at all. I mean, yeah, somebody did go through, quote unquote, the hero's journey in this movie. And he's kind of the bad guy,
1: <laughs> right? 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 Like yeah. they did. The, and... the heroes
0: of this movie did not go through the hero's journey. The bad guy did. Right. Right. That's a fascinating idea to me. Like it's like, oh yeah, that thing that like is universal in all in all stories is like. Here's just a random movie. You know, not a random movie, but a a movie that I like very much. that We've just encountered that, like, in no way adheres to that, except for, in some ways, to say it makes bad guys, which is fascinating. I mean, interpreting right. In as, is like a bad guy. Is sort of like it's not that it's not cut and dry that way, right? Like he's, we're supposed to understand that like he does make the wrong decisions. Like he, right. he does bad guy stuff uh, by being like a tool of the state and not like pushing back on it, right? He he puts his his own success ahead of even his own family, right? Uh, in the end, right? Which is which is. Very easily within sort of just sort of straight up even less sort of Marxist or something like that Japanese sort of interpretations of society, a a, a blanket negative right putting your needs above your families is is a right. is a is but a he doesn't a bl- well if we assume that they he are doesn't his, initially do that right no I know that's what I'm saying though but he eventually makes he makes then, that decision yeah. eventually. Uh, and in some ways, right. we kind of understand that. Like in some ways, the curse that's on his wife compels him. In some ways, right? Because he's he's quite distraught after right. he discovers that he can't see her again. But he ends up taking his anger out on the wrong. He's like even when he's dealing with his mother, he's right. not angry at her exactly, right? It, it he's he makes for a complicated character. Calling him just the bad guy, we have a bad guy, right? And it's Rika, right, right. right? Like we have a actual bad guy, right? Right, right. We have a right. a complicated guy interacting with the actual heroes. Right. And it's worth noting that the heroes as as we've discovered with with Shindo's work are women, right? Like he's Shindo's got a strong desire to talk about the role of women in Japanese society and their importance, right? Uh which is also quite fascinating, right? We don't we don't
1: often talk about how the form of the image is related to the message, the theme of the film. Uh huh. It's not. It's not our strong suit. No, it's not something you and I get into a lot. Uh, but just the way, the way the women are stately and still mm. until until it's time for them not to be, and they're flying around in the on the wires. Right. Uh, you know, and the expectations of of womanhood versus what these characters actually want. Uh, I think it's very interesting, and, and you know, and that's reflected in the sound design too—the stillness versus the versus the action, right? And the the relationship between movement and non-movement,
0: right? Uh, well, there is a, on a very base level, right? There's a, an attempt to make them very cat-like, right? Like they're still. Right. Right up until the moment that they are 100% not still. And then all right. of their actions are very purposeful and meaningful, right? They're not haphazard, right? They move in yes. with a sort of they're, purposeful grace, yes. right?
1: They're 100% still all day until 2 a.m. when they're running around the hallway. Right. Uh, <laughs> murdering samurai. Yeah, exactly all
0: right, which, which all all cats should be engaged in. Um, right, 100%. But like- well, and also, but it's interesting, right? You're, because you're talking about the stateliness, and then also the idea that, like, they use the power of the role. They, they, they turn the, they take the role that is inherently considered to be subservient and use it as a power, as a weapon against the samurai, right? The, the samurai are lured in by their expectations of what women are in this society. And that, that directly leads to their death, right? Like, they are. You know what I mean? Like that is a weapon against them, right? Their, their belief that, like, well, they're just gonna feed me food, they're gonna give me drink, and then I'm gonna right. get to just have my way with one of them. This is how this works. This is the way the system's set up. No problems. This is how it goes. And then that's how you get your ass killed, right? Is a is I think is a is a message in and of itself, right? Like this like idea of like the this this stateliness hides a a um. The, this the stateliness in this role represent a a a thing that is a sword that could have two edges, right? Um. Right.
1: But uh, you know, another another aspect of that is the fact that when we see the samurai in their finery, it is after we've seen them. Yeah, as, as monsters doing yeah. their worst, yeah. right? Right. And and that's that finery. That that fake piece of the state is built on blood,
0: right? Uh, well, and it's in this and, movie and, and, too, and right? They, they represent sort of like almost a dialectic of themselves, an opposite, right? <laughs> when they're in their finery, they have already done the brutality. It has bought them this right. finery. It has given them this thing. They're they are now yeah. useless. I mean, they are they are still arms of the state, but in this form, they are powerless. Essentially, they are just right. decoration. Um, and, and then, but it's the opposite for, for our, for our, our heroes, right? For, for Shige and Yone, they are, they are at their most dangerous and terrifying when they are in this form. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, they, they, uh they recognize that that finery is a mask over brutality and they use that mask to commit their right. Brutality, right. Rather right.
0: than just putting it on after the brutality's already over. Right. Yeah. It's right. Yeah.
1: And not for nothing, uh, Hachi earns his, his title and prestige after an act of, ext- he buys it with a severed head. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? He and is, so,
0: he you know. is culpable. Like when we, d- when I describe. uh, Hachi as being a complicated not just necessarily the bad guy complicated doesn't mean uh like not culpable in the in the sins that we're we're discussing right there's a reason why they have to kill him they have to like they are bound to kill him too, and they can't because he is family and that gets into a discussion about like this idea that like your enemies might like if if when you're talking about the state and its relationship with 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 pete with the uh Sort of the, you know, the um. The proletariat. You're getting into an idea that like sometimes the 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 arm of the state will be a person who lives next door to you, will be a family or yeah. a friend, right? Like they will they will be co opted by the state to enact what it wants, right? What it what its goals, right? And like the idea, and they and they they fail because of that in some ways, right? They they can't complete their vengeance because. They know that they, they are they're bound by this idea that they need to he is one of the enemies now. But they right. can't bring themselves to do it because he's also their family. Whereas he can, right? right? The arm this arm of the state ends up in in many ways he's conflicted, but in the end, he becomes a tool of that of that system, right? right? Even against his own family.
1: Mm-hmm. And then he dies. Yeah. In the snow.
0: Yeah. And, and does I mean, like, deservedly so. He makes the wrong choice, right? Like, he is ultimately right. punished Absolutely. for making the wrong choice. Yeah.
1: Not that he was left with a li- right choice by the time things came down. No, with, I but, mean, like, you know, but,
0: but there's always, there is a choice. It's called walk away.
1: Right, right, right. Put there's always the third down way of extracting and, yourself. Like,
0: there's a different yeah. version of the story if you want to make Hachi the hero where he says, fuck you, and it becomes um how har- Yeah. Like where you where it's like now it's a vengeance yeah. story, right? It goes the other direction, right? If you want to make him the right. hero, that's what he has to do. This is better because he shouldn't be the hero, they should yeah. be the hero. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, he's already uh you know, it's not the state has extradited him and no one no one throws it in his face that he wasn't there to protect
0: them, right? That's not No, that's not what it's about. It's not about that in. idea. Right, but he did not have a choice to yeah. go. They they recognize that he is right. taken from them; that the state has taken yeah. their loved one from them.
1: Yeah, and has succeeded in taking their one. Lo- <laughs> right, loved and co-opting, him, him.
0: making him into a, an, a, yeah. a a tool of the state. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what I'm going to say is. Well This movie is fucking brilliant. You could use this oh, yeah, for a I, class, I basically. Love this you could just be like, hey, you, yeah. you want to talk about the relationship of like like the the, the proletariat and the in the state within re, and use like a film about Japanese ghosts as a as a tool for that? Let's do it, right, man. Right. Let's do it. I might have to start using this uh, in class. So, I might have to might have to go away. It might have to be this one now. I don't know. It's fair. I mean, Harakiki's real good for talking about how shitty the samurai are. It's a great movie for that. This is also much shorter, so that helps. This is going to go into like one of the all-time greats. I'm not going to forget this movie for a long fucking time. I mean, absolutely. It, it it presses no, all all my buttons. It's like the perfect movie right. for Pat. It's like somebody. I. It's amazing. I love it. It's. Uh, maybe I just yeah, use this good. as part of my curriculum next. I've got a. And I've got a. You Know pre modern Japanese culture class coming up in about a month, so maybe this will get worked into the curriculum. There you go,
1: absolutely. Well, uh, I hope you do. Um, but it is time to draw this episode yeah. to a close. We've been talking about Koroneko, Neko, the Black Cat from 1968, directed by Keneto Shindo. Uh, super great movie. Oh, really so I really love Next it. Next week. Uh next week I'm very sorry to report. Oh no. Uh <laughs> we'll be watching about uh, we'll be watching identification of a woman from 1982. A This sounds like the latest.
0: Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Uh the latest uh Michelangelo Antononi, oh, Antonioni
0: Antonioni
1: film we've seen. Might be the latest we ever see from him. I don't know when Blow Up came out. Uh, sixty-six. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. Um, so, so yeah, we've uh, we've never seen an Antonioni film that we actually liked. <laughs> like, at least I sort of liked a little bit. Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Gritty. And I'm as always the Glass. With me as always, John Patrick Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah, next time. Been listening to Lost in Criterion with co hosts The Adam Glass and John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. With the collapse of Twitter, who knows what social media we might end up at? How about Blue Sky? That sounds great. Check out the official podcast account at lostincriterion.bsky.social. Jonathan Hape does our music, and you can check out more of his work at jonathan-hape.com or on any music streaming service. And you probably should, he's pretty good. A big thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join their ranks at patreon.com slash And hey, thank you for listening.